The School of Healing consists of a series of talks provided to create an encounter with God and His healing love. In this series, our counselor on staff, Christopher Lafitte, walks us through what healing is and how we can invite Jesus, the healer, to meet us in our places of need. In this talk, Christopher spoke on the dynamics of a wound. This is the third of four talks. The remaining talk will be posted next week. Thanks, God bless, and gigum. Lord, we offer our hearts, we offer this night to you. Come change our lives today. to stay in the posture of our hearts right now. Just notice how attentive you are to yourself. It's going to be a lot of content tonight, and it's going to be heavy at times. So I want to encourage you to pay attention to your hearts tonight, okay? I told you last week we we're going to keep it light. We we're going to keep it simple. I was going to encourage you. It's a little different this week, okay? So for this to work, two things. Let's try to have a little bit of detachment in our hearts. I'm trying to understand everything I say. I'm trying to get all the notes down. I'm trying to manufacture a certain experience. Let's just try to surrender whatever it is. Okay. The talks are recorded. If you miss something, you can go back to it. If, if journaling helps you process, go for it. Journal. Let's just, let's just not get attached to these things, okay? There's going to be a lot moving in our hearts. And the most important thing you can do is just stay connected to your heart in a place of vulnerability, connectivity, and just be with the Lord and let Him be with you there, okay? The second thing with attachment is discernment, okay? So we know the Lord by His fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You feel these movements, any of these, in your heart. Okay, go with it. It's the Lord. He's leading you somewhere. Okay, but just, just slow down. Connect to yourself. Stay there. And if you feel any anti-fruits, we can call them. Uh, restlessness, anxiety, anger, fear, uh, control. Uh, just note that, too. There may be some of that tonight. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore those movements in your heart. Okay? That's where the Lord wants to come. That's where you need Him. So just make note of those. And that's not a time to try to get that insight down. That's just a time to pause. Be there. Let the Lord be with you. Okay? My encouragement to you tonight as we, as we delve into all this, dive into all this, whatever the grammatical way to say that is. Um, and I encourage you to 
get your hopes up high. Get your hopes up high. This is something that's been coming to me a lot past just today. Get your hopes up high, okay? But let's let go of expectations. Get your hopes up. Believe, but let's let go of expectations of how we think God has to move in order for God to move, okay? You may experience nothing but dryness tonight, and it may be the night God did the most in your heart. Sometimes in our spirit, the Lord will bump our affect to where we experience what's going on in our hearts. It doesn't mean he's not doing anything. The greatest saints can attest to that in their intimacy with the Lord. So just believe the Lord is, is moving mountains in your soul. Get your hopes up high, but just trust that whatever you experience, it's good. It's good, and the Lord is working. But let's let go of any expectations of what we think that might need to look like. Okay? All right. So, a little recap here. So, based on the first talk, the Lord made us for communion. He made us for communion with Him, communion within ourselves, communion with others. That was severed due to sin, and it continues to get severed when we sin. And the Lord comes to heal all of that, to bring us back together, to unite us to himself, and to restore us to relationship with others. Okay? Last week we talked about the importance of slowing down, like I'm kind of reemphasizing a little bit now, and paying attention to what's going on within us. That God made us in a particular way, so that if we're paying attention to what's going on within us, it's gonna steer us in the right direction. So we talked about morally and spiritually, virtue versus sin, okay? Virtue is its own reward. When we live a virtuous life, we experience the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace. When we live in sin, it's its own consequence. And all those anti-fruits come with it. We can see the same sort of reality if we look at our lives and just our nature physically. You know, if we don't take care of ourselves, we neglect ourselves. We, we either, you know, if we hydrate, there's a lot of energy. If we don't, there's fatigue. And psychologically, there can be stability and focus and, and an integrity within ourselves versus this inner conflict, this anxiety, this depression that can come. And if we pay attention to any of these things, we can tell when, okay, I'm, I'm living in accord with my nature, with the way I'm supposed to be. I'm being human well. When I get out of that, things start to go crazy. So just looking at anxiety and depression If we live in a hedonistic society, we can look at anxiety and depression in a short-sighted way and think of them as curses. But if we're looking through a correct lens of what it means to be human, anxiety and depression are gifts. Not the distress that comes from them, necessarily, 
But anxiety and depression are indicator lights on the dashboard letting us know that something's not working, okay? And to some degree, every single one of us experiences this. To some degree, we experience depression. To some degree, we're anxious. Okay, why is that? We experience anxiety as human beings whenever we're not accepting our limitations as human beings and we're trying to control things that are out of our control. We experience anxiety when we're trying to control things that are out of our control. We're not accepting life on life's terms. We're not accepting our own poverty, our own weaknesses, our own limitations. The other day I was cooking breakfast, uh, something we usually do Saturday mornings where, you know, bacon or sausage, and I'm, I'm cooking the sausage, and, and I've got three kids talking to me at the same time. And, and I'm, I'm cooking the sausage, and I'm, I'm being a great dad, and okay, yeah, 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 okay, you, yeah, yeah, oh, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting wound up, because I'm trying to control all of this, you know? What is it going on inside me that makes me, that I'm holding on to, that's making me act like this, okay? I have to meet all their needs. No, I don't. <laughs> Not like that. It would be good if I could, but I don't have to meet all those needs immediately. But that's what I was experiencing in that moment. So if I settle down there, be like, hey, just one minute, a lot going on. Get right back to you, buddy. Can you hold on with your question one second? Yes, you can help me cook one second, one second. All right, I will get back to you one minute, one minute. Okay. You know, does that make sense? We don't have to live as slaves of, of, of this control, of this anxiety, of whatever it is we feel like we need for security. Okay. The reason anxiety is a gift is because when we start to try to control life, we cannot have communion. Because if we were able to control life, we might get what we want, we might get what we think we need, but we can't have relationship and if we didn't experience the distress of the anxiety that comes with us trying to control, we wouldn't know that there's something wrong. The anxiety is a gift because it lets us know where we need to surrender and accept our limitations so that we can live in communion, so that we can live in love. Okay? Depression is a gift all the same. Why? Okay. We're going to dig into wounds tonight. And we experience depression whenever we've got a bunch of pain inside. There's woundedness within us. And, and in that, we're disconnected from ourselves. There's a bunch of pain compartmentalized and tucked away somewhere, and it's heavy. We're not living integrated. We're living disconnected, dissociated. There's emotion that instead of expressing when something happened in our life, we depressed it. So we feel depressed. It's, it's really not complicated. And if we didn't experience 
the depression, the feelings there, we would go on living life without realizing that we've lost a part of ourselves, a part of ourselves that's good. And we gotta go get it back. The heaviness that's there in the depression is an indicator that we've lost a part of ourselves. And we've got to go get ourselves back. Because it's good. So whatever we're experiencing, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, morally, there's a certain way God made us to respond to all that is good and true and beautiful in all that is evil and not of Him. We pay attention to what's going on. It's going to steer us in the right direction. So whatever comes up tonight, just pay attention. Pay attention to that awareness. What's going on? And be there with the Lord. Let Him be there with you. He will heal you. That was a little tangent. All right, coming back. But we also talked about the desires of our hearts, how desires reveal identity. Desires that are pure and holy reveal true identity, and our disordered desires are revealing a disordered identity, a false identity. And how important it is, again, to pay attention to what it is we're desiring that's good. That's how we're going to come alive. Come alive, And what's not good, it's going to lead us right to that place in our hearts where we need to invite the Lord in. doesn't mean we act on that desire, but we become aware of it. And we say, why do I want that? Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Okay? All right, let's dive in a little bit tonight. The Lord is with us. I want to start with uh, a model from Dr. Bob Schuchs. There's a beautiful model for understanding development. Security, maturity, and purity. Okay. If, if we grow up and we experience Love as we're made to experience it. We're going to live in love. We're going to be rooted and grounded in love. And there's going to be this security within us. And if we're rooted and grounded in love, we're secure in love, we're naturally going to be disposed to give it away. There's a maturity that will come where we're, we're, we're ordered, our nature is ordered toward giving ourselves away in love, okay? Our nature is ordered in and for virtue, okay? We're disposed to good. And as we live in love and begin to give it away, we're living as we ought, and the fruits of the Spirit are gonna abound. There's a purity there. But what happens to all of us is that because sin is in this world, we're all wounded, and we've all been wounded. And instead of experiencing love, 
that holds us together securely, we experience pain and unlove that just fragments us and fractures us and splits us apart from ourselves. And instead of living whole in communion, we have all these different parts of our hearts that are broken off and contained. And there's no foundation to stand on. It's insecurity. Insecurity. And when we're rooted and grounded in pain, instead of rooted and grounded in love, what we're then disposed to give away is pain. Immaturity comes from insecurity. That's what the seven deadly sins are, the immaturity. Those vices we talked about last time. Okay? Where they're dispositions towards that which is not good. And then if we, if we act on those dispositions, we bear the fruit of evil. It's sin. But it's important to look again as why do we, what are we doing within those disordered desires? We turn inward on ourselves in those vices, in those seven deadly sins, because intuitively we know there's something inside me, some need I have that's not been met. And this thing is going to meet that need. So what are, those, what are those wounds that are inside of us? Okay, so this is again from Dr. Bob Schuess, the seven deadly wounds, he calls them. And this is brilliant. These are umbrella terms that will just help you categorize for yourself what it is you're experiencing, instead of it being ultra complicated. Because evil complicates things. So there's shame. I'm bad, I'm dirty, I'm no good. And again, as we're talking through this, just pay attention to your hearts. Just let your heart rest in His. There's shame, there's rejection. I'm not loved, not accepted, not wanted. There's abandonment. No one's here for me. No one cares about me. Nobody understands me. I'm alone. There's fear. I'm not safe. I can't trust. And there's powerlessness. I can't do anything. I'm overwhelmed. It's too much. hopelessness nothing is going to change it's always going to be this way and confusion I don't understand I don't know why we all experience every single one of these wounds we've all experienced them and he has too 
He's experienced every single one of those wounds. The difference is when he experienced that pain, he kept his heart open. He let himself feel that pain, express the pain. I mean, think about the way he cries out to the Father on the cross. He cries out in a rage. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That's not someone trying to put on their holy face. That's someone who's real and authentic, staying in communion in that experience of abandonment. The Lord shows us how to keep his heart open amidst the pain in life so that we can stay in love, stay grounded in the truth of who we are, And he never took on the pain and the beliefs that are there in the pain as an identity. He stayed rooted in the truth of who he is, where he validated the pain that was there. But when he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Yeah, it was an expression of the pain, the emotion of the abandonment that he was experiencing. But it's also a proclamation of Psalm 22, which declares victory. And faith in the Lord. It's the first line of that psalm. It's a proclamation of faith. And who cries out to anyone they don't believe in? Of course he knows the Father has not abandoned him. The Lord is showing us something about how to experience the pain in this world. But let the Father's love define us. And not the brokenness of others around us. Not the brokenness and sin of ourselves. In 1989, there was a a pretty massive earthquake in Armenia. It was like an 8.2 on the Richter scale. And after like four minutes of everything crumbling, you know, there were like 30,000 people dead. And amidst all the distress, everyone's running around. There's a father amongst them, running. He's running to his son's daycare, where he had left him that morning. Climbing over rubble, trying to find a way there. And when he turns the corner and sees where his son's daycare is, it's just a pile of just stones. He's fighting back tears. And then he takes off toward the rubble heap. And he starts lifting these stones and throwing them away, one by one. For six hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. Some people come and join him and help him. But when their muscles begin to ache and give out, they stop helping. Give it up, man. Give it up. They're gone. They're gone. 20 hours. 24 hours. He keeps going because he had told his son that no matter what happens, 
I will always be there for you. 30 hours. 36 hours. He's still rolling away stones. Until on the 38th hour, he moves a stone. And he locks eyes with his son. And his son looks to his other classmates, 14 of them still alive, and he says, See, I told you my dad would come for us. No matter what rubble heap you're trapped under, the Lord has not forgotten you. He's coming to roll away those stones. And I'm that little boy here for you tonight to let you know my father's coming. He's coming for us. He's coming for us. He's coming for you. He's going to set you free tonight. Hold on to hope. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. He's coming. He said he would always be here. That's what this son teaches us. Because on Easter Sunday, a stone was rolled away. And we already know the man can pass through walls. He doesn't need the stone rolled away. It's for us. So that we can go in and see just what he wants to do for us. That the ways we feel like we're barricaded into ourselves... There is hope. There is hope. He's rolling the stones away. Just like he did for a man, Lazarus. And there were some who didn't want him to go near that tomb. When they were across the Jordan about to go into Bethany where Lazarus is. And Jesus is saying, Lazarus has died, we're going to raise him. The apostles say, Lord, they were just trying to stone you and kill you. We're going back? When he says, roll away the stone, Martha says, Lord, there's going to be a stench. He's been dead for four days. Mister, they're gone. They're gone. They're all dead. I don't think that's what the Lord has in mind. We're going to talk about what those stones are in our hearts. Keeping entombed one the Lord has in mind to raise. And we're going to let the Lord roll away those stones tonight. Because when he touches abandonment, it becomes communion. It becomes intimacy. We feel connected and understood when healing takes in that place of our hearts. When he touches rejection, it becomes a place where we feel valued, loved, wanted. 
We're pure and worthy instead of shame being any part of us. We feel safe and secure instead of afraid. We feel empowered and liberated instead of stuck in powerlessness, helplessness. There's hope in place of hopelessness and understanding and clarity instead of confusion. That's what the Lord has in mind tonight. To get there, we've got to be vulnerable. We've got to open our hearts. We've got to let those stones be rolled away. Because he won't do it without our permission. So what are the things that prevent us from being vulnerable? What are the things that prevent us from letting the Lord in? Now, this is it. This is what we all want. We all are here because we're longing for the Lord to touch us. This is how we open it. On one level, in every single one of those wounds, there's pain. There's pain. It hurts. And if we had had the safety, if we had had the security, if we had had the love we needed, the encouragement we needed, when it happened, we would have been able to express it. And the pain would be gone, and we wouldn't be tempted to cling to it. We cling to and get attached to these things because it makes it stop hurting. Because if people treat me like garbage... I can live in the truth that I don't deserve that, and I feel that. Or I can just believe that's how I deserve to be treated. Yeah, that's normal. That's fine. And I can take that part of my heart that's good, that doesn't deserve that, and I can put that label on it, I can send it away, bury it, hoping to never encounter it again. That's the stuff that weighs us down. Ways in which we've identified with our pain. Instead of identifying in the Father's love for us. John Paul II said at World Youth Day in Toronto, we are not the sum of our faults, our failings, our weaknesses. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of His Son. But somewhere in there, we've identified with the pain. This is who I am. This is who I am. And we live out of that. There's lies we believe about ourselves judgments we form toward the people that hurt us. All in an attempt to harden that place, to keep that pain contained, to keep everyone out. And we make these inner resolutions, these, these vows, so to speak, that really cemented in place and drive our behaviors. I will not trust anyone again. I will not be vulnerable. I will not let anybody leave me. 
I'll do whatever I have to to please. Ways in which, again, we're trying to get control of our pain. That's where all that anxiety comes from. Ways we're trying to control. I have to do this. I have to do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. These rules we're living by that do not comport with reality. But it does comport with the wound. And we make that our reality and we continue to live out of that as if it is real. But it's not. And these stones that get piled up, rolled in front of that deadened part of our heart there, they can be rolled away. We can surrender, renounce identifying with these wounds, with these unhealthy practices. Renounce affiliation with these lies, identifying with them as if it's who we are. Renounce the judgments we're holding on others. Forgive and renounce these, these vows that we've made within ourselves to protect ourselves. We can surrender those. And we can face the pain. You know, a lot of times I think we're afraid to feel what's in there. This is going to sound, this is going to illuminate things for you. Ready? We're afraid to face it because it hurts. Duh. We're afraid to face it because I think, in, to some extent, we think that the emotion is just kind of there arbitrarily. It's just some kind of entity that's there, a part of this experience, and I don't want to have anything to do with that. That makes sense. We weren't made for pain. We weren't made for suffering. But we have to understand that that pain isn't there arbitrarily. When we perceive the pain in our hearts, we're perceiving and encountering our hearts. A piece of our heart that we have broken off from ourselves and we've rejected. Whenever we reconnect with something deep within us that's hurting, that's really good news. We're getting our heart back. We're getting our heart back. And there's not an unlimited amount of pain there. It's very finite. We just have to be willing to feel that. And at first, when we're, when we're distant from ourselves, but something, some wound within us is getting triggered, like has probably happened in tonight to some extent, <laughs> we're going to feel it. And if we could just be there in it, like I was encouraging you to do in the beginning, we can just be there, receive ourselves in the fear, in the shame, in the discouragement, the loneliness. Just acknowledge that pain. Validate it. We don't have to know why it's there. There's always a good reason. We don't pick and choose our emotions. They're, they're passive responses. That's why they're called the passions. 
They, they come based upon what we perceive. So if, if we're feeling something, there's a good reason. There's something we're per, we perceived, and at some point true, that wounded us deeply. And we've got to validate that pain, that pain that our heart's carrying around, and, and get our hearts back, receive ourselves back. I think, just on a, that's just human. There's spiritual stuff there too, but that's just human right there. And I think that's one of the biggest obstacles to healing is that we don't accept our humanity. I think a lot of us, as, especially as, as we've you know, entered into certain you know, aspects of discipleship maybe, we've, we've maybe experienced renouncing certain things. But sometimes you'll find it doesn't really do a whole lot. And it's because we're not connected to ourselves in that place. We're still living out of self-rejection. We're running from that part of our heart that we need to first reconnect with. And now that we have ourselves, now we can surrender and renounce those things that we're holding on to. So just on a human level, I want to encourage you, receive the gift of yourself tonight. Because however you encounter yourself, you are all gift. And the Lord is not going to leave you in your hurt. It's from that place when we can encounter ourselves there, then we can start to surrender those things. Then we can start to give those things away to the Lord. Because we cannot give what we do not have. And if we do not have possession of ourselves, if we don't have that part of ourselves, we cannot give that part of ourselves to the Lord. And He honors that. Receive yourself there. You are good. You are good. That's why we're here tonight. We're here to encourage you in that as we're turning to the Lord. Let's just take a moment and Recollect where our hearts are right now. Be where you're at. I'm going to read the scripture of Lazarus. Just notice the way your heart moves. And however your heart moves, toward the good stuff, or you feel the not so good stuff stir up. Just, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Just let the Lord be with you there. Let Him lead you, let Him guide you, let Him move you. I want you to put yourself in the position of Lazarus here. He's a friend of the Lord. Now a man was ill. Lazarus from Bethany. 
the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained in, for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death. Well, they thought that he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died. And I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. I want you just to take a moment in your hearts and whatever barriers, whatever resistance may be there in your heart. Because as Jesus is coming to Lazarus, he keeps being met. Slowed down. Whether it's disciples, whether it's Martha, whether it's Mary. What is it that's coming up in your heart when you think about opening something up to the Lord? Just let the Lord be with you in that defense. And don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of it. Let him love you there, the way he loved his disciples, the way he loved Martha. Don't beat yourself up over the defense. Just let the Lord see you there. Let him receive you there. And let him give you the courage to receive yourself there. As soon as Mary heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, where have you laid him? 
They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. to take a moment in silence. We may not have the capacity right now to weep over what's happened to us. But the Lord is right there in our hearts right now. And he genuflects before our pain. Let's give him a moment to weep for us. because the one he loves has died. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. 
And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! flesh on these dead bones and hearts. Raise us up, Lord. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. However, the Lord is moving in your heart right now. Be there with him. You don't have to do anything. You can be dead in a tomb. He's coming to you. Just let him. And don't get distracted by my voice. Be there with the Lord. But we're going to let ourselves be untied right now. We're going to let these stones be rolled away in our hearts, whatever's remaining. For some of you, the stone's already been rolled away. You're there with the Lord. For some of you, it's coming. I'm going to walk you through that. But whatever's on your heart right now, whatever the Lord has led you to, whatever experience in your life, I want you to just be aware of who you need to forgive from that experience. We don't forgive, our, forgive somebody for making us a cake on our birthday. We only forgive someone when they've done something wrong. So if you forgive them, you're not acknowledging that they, they did something right. You're implicitly proclaiming what you did was wrong. But you're no longer demanding that they repay what they owe you, because owe you they do. But so long as we hold on to that debt, our identity is bound to them. 
instead of the Lord. But if we can release them of that debt that they owe us, we're no longer going to be tied to them. Not in that way. And we can give the Lord permission to repay what was taken from us. Picture their face before you with the Lord. And if there's anger, if there's hurt in your heart there, just speak it to them. They're not here right now. You're not hurting them. But it's important to express the pain, to validate that emotion that's there. There's no sin in expressing emotion. Voice the anger, voice the injustice. Just let the Lord bless you there. Bless your anger. Receive your anger. Receive your hurt. We may have some of the, the prayer team come around in this time just to pray with you if you need it, just to pray over you. If you feel like there's a lot there that you need to express, keep expressing it. Whenever you feel like you've said it all, just release them. Give them to the Lord. Forgive them of the debt. And turn your heart over to the Lord. Just be a simple prayer of Jesus in your name. I forgive this person. For this, for this, for this. And I give them to you. Lord, here's my heart. Here's what I need. Here's what was taken. Here's what hurts. And tell him about it. Tell him what you need. Speak from your heart there. Speak from your heart to him. Tell him what you need. Just let him receive you. Let him bless every word. feeling some stuff there. It's your heart. You're getting your heart back. You're reconnecting to this part of your heart that's been gone for a while. Good, 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 good. Let the Lord love you there. experiencing anything, that's okay. It's like go of expectations. 
Don't let go of expectations. Just hope, just believe. I'm gonna walk you through just the different things that may bind us up. Start with, with fear. Just let yourself experience what's there. Just the fear that's there. Validate the emotion here. Validate the pain in your heart there. We're going to surrender this to the Lord where we're not going to identify with this place anymore. Yes, it hurts. Yes, what happened is real. But it's not who we are. It's not how we have to live. So let's surrender that. As we do this, we're going to invoke the name of the Lord. Because when we invoke His name, we invoke His presence and His power to set us free. When we renounce evil, we renew our baptism. It's like we do at Easter. We're standing in the truth of who we are. So if you feel ready, I'm going to walk you through renouncing this. But if you don't feel ready, that's okay. It's okay. Don't rush through anything. Just connect to your heart there. You can come back to it. You can just whisper this under your breath. Just pray it from your heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce fear. Just pray that. Let's just renounce some of the lies that may be there in that place. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I cannot trust. I renounce the lie that I am not safe. I renounce the lie that if I trust, I'll be hurt. Jesus, I renounce the judgment that other people are going to hurt me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the vow that I will not trust. I renounce the vow that I will not be open. I renounce the vow that I will not be vulnerable. 
Just settle into your heart there. Settle into your heart. Jesus is coming to you. A lot of times with fear, we grasp after control. If you feel like you can, let's turn that over. Let's, let's surrender that. And if you can't, that's okay. Just be loved right there. Be loved right there. Be loved right there. In the name of Jesus, I renounce control. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of fear. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of control. Jesus, we ask you to come to us here. Come to us where our hearts feel deadened, where we're disconnected from ourselves. We ask you to draw us back together. Draw us to ourselves. Notice where you're at in that scripture passage. Are you on the outskirts with Martha, with Mary? Are you in the tomb? Are you out with Jesus? Are you being untied? Just be there. Just be there with him. Not alone. Not alone. Not alone. Let's renounce that. In the name of Jesus, I renounce abandonment. I renounce loneliness. I renounce isolation. Lord, I welcome you into my heart. Come be with me, Lord. Be my safety. Be my friend. Be my savior. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm alone. I renounce the lie that I'm on my own. I renounce the lie that I have to take care of myself. I renounce the lie that no one understands me. I renounce the lie that I'm too complicated for others. I renounce the lie that I scare people away.
Jesus, come meet us there. Come meet us there. Lord, lift these off of us. Lift us off. Roll away the stones, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I renounce rejection. I renounce the lie that I'm not loved, that I'm not wanted, that I'm not desired or valued. And I receive the truth, Jesus, in your name that you love me, you see me, you desire me, that you risk being killed for me. You risk being ridiculed for me, that I'm worth it to you. Bring us back into the truth of who we are, who you made us to be. Restore us to ourselves. Restore us to life with you, to joy with you. Bring us out of the darkness into the light. That our faces may not blush with shame, but we may rejoice in being seen by you. Confident the delight in your face as you gaze upon us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce shame. I renounce self-condemnation. isolating in my shame. And Jesus, I choose to come out of the tomb to be seen by you. Show us who we are, Lord. Sing over us, Lord. Invite the Lord into your heart, wherever you're at right now. I feel like the Lord just wants to dance over us, sing over us, rejoice over us, delight in us, each in our own way. So just let him come to you right now. Let him speak the language of your heart to take your burden off of you and remind you that you can laugh, you can play, you can sing. Lord, show us how to be the Father's child. Come dance with our hearts. Be goofy, be silly with us. Free us from the seriousness of shame. Bring us your joy. Bring us your joy. Thank you, Lord. Bring light into the darkness. Thank you, Jesus. 
angels have written his songs over you down, and in heaven you will hear them. You will hear them. Lord, sing one to us now. Sing one to us now. Just who we are to you, how we move you. He made you to move him to joy. That's who you are. That's who you are. of sadness and place of mourning restore us the joy in the name of Jesus I renounce sadness I renounce despair I renounce depression Jesus I receive what you want from me Light up our darkness, Lord. Light up our darkness. Get the party started. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I renounce hopelessness. I renounce the lie that I'm never going to heal. I renounce the lie that nothing is going to change. I renounce the lie that God can't change anything, that God's not coming through for me. to reach into the depths of our hearts and take back what we've lost for so long and dream again. Dream again. Teach us how to dream again, Lord. Help us to believe that we were made for good things. We were made for life. We were made for joy. every part of it with us. Set us free. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of darkness. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of death. Lord, we receive your life. We receive you, our resurrection and our life. Change us, Lord. Change us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I renounce powerlessness.
I renounce the lie that I can't do anything. I'm trapped. I'm overwhelmed. There's nothing I can do. I receive the truth that you're with me, Lord. You are my strength. You are my shield. You fight for me. You answer for me. You defend me. Thank you, Lord. Restore us the strength. Restore us the strength. Freedom, Lord. Give us freedom from all that's been oppressing us, all that's been holding us back, holding us bound. Set us free. Set us free from those chains, Jesus. Give him permission to roll away the stone. To call you to himself. Remind you who you are. part of our heart, there's a, in every wound, there's a scar there. That's why Jesus has one on his. our wounds on his heart. He's carried for us so that we never have to be alone in our pain. 
Just let him come to your heart and press his heart to yours. Let the gash in his heart press against yours. Let him share with you those life-giving waters in his heart. That you may revive. Jesus, we just ask that you help us to surrender a little bit more, to believe a little bit more, to hope a little bit more in this time. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us in this time of prayer. Help us to encounter the Lord and encounter his love. Be set free. stay or go whenever however long you want but we'll be we'll be here just helping you Father Paul Michael will be upstairs hearing confessions again Some of us will be in the corners. Carolyn, Sister Kaylin, myself and my wife, and Sister Chella and Allison. Or we may keep walking around, we'll see. But if you see us there and you feel like you need some help, we'll pray with you, help you. Turn your heart to the Lord. We all need help, we all need help, we all need help. If you're encountering the Lord here, be with him. That's what it's about. And I love you all. I love you all. And the Lord loves you too.